Spend the day with Sai. From 6 a.m. to 9:30 p.m. On Radio Sai's Thursday Live. Radio Sai Thursday Live. most humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet dear listeners we welcome you to this week's afternoon satsang as always it is time to go back to the ramakatha rasvayani we we were here last week speaking about the ramakatha rasvayani we're going to continue with the series last week we of course spoke about how the vanaras have finally reached the shores of lanka and now it is they are setting up camp there before they start their campaign and before that actually what happens is rama lord rama makes a final attempt to bring ravana around and this part of the story probably the events may not be many but the dialogues which swami writes is very very significant but before we go into all that before we start the story and before i invite brother arvind to join me as always let us begin by ruminating on the sweet and nectarous name of lord shri rama shri rama rama rame ki rame rame manorame sahasra nama tatulyam रामनामराने even as the varana vanara armies are shouting out jai shri ram jai shri ram and camping on the shores at lanka we shout out with our heart jai sai ram and we begin the ramkatha rasavahini offering our humble salutations at the lotus feet of bhagwan and of hanuman who is present wherever the ramkatha is narrated or sung sai ram prem and you know as the uh, armies of rama camp on the seashore i was just trying to imagine how the picture might have been because we have seen that there are 18 padmas that's a huge number which runs into trillions so i'm just imagining how a seashore would look like when so many billions and trillions have camped and and you know i think we were uh, we concluded with the thought that there was no much difference between the vanaras and the rakshasas in the sense that the vanaras too were taunting and harassing the rakshasas whom they found the only difference was that though they had the same kind of weaknesses the vanaras made the right choice in choosing rama's side rather than like the rakshasas who chose ravana's side and we concluded with the message that in spite of all our weaknesses we should have the basic discrimination and goodness to be able to choose the right over the wrong 
Now in the meanwhile what's happening at Ravana's side is very interesting because when Ravana gets to know that the enemy is there at the shores and they are hurling in all trees and rocks and boulders into the so called fortress city of Lanka now i think even ravana is taken aback because this is something that he did not imagine in his wildest dreams yeah he had seen that some of the armies he sent some of the rakshasas he sent were getting annihilated but that seems so distant you know it's happening at a distant place till the destruction comes at your very doorstep somehow you are not aware of its magnitude i think this happens to most of us you know uh, i remember when uh, we read about uh, a natural disaster somewhere mm-hmm. else you know a, a typhoon that strikes some place you see some images yeah uh, you spend a few moments on it but the same thing hits somewhere close to your home oh my god you think over it for a longer time if it actually happens to hit your home possibly you know i have i have known people who have been hit by a hurricane like this after which they have spent years of their life and a lot of their resources in trying to you know do something to make people aware of it or to make uh, people more ready for it to make people more prepared in case of such uh, typhoons or hurricanes in future it just goes to show that unlike god who has universal empathy we seem to respond more strongly when something happens closer to us than when it is further away from us and that is the same thing that has happened to ravana and when that happens to ravana as swami writes he begins to roar out in anger and when he roars for possibly the first time in his life the voice comes out not from just one throat but from all his 10 throats right and that immediately strikes a, a, a strong sense of fear not only in ravana but in in the hearts of everybody who is there because there is a, a a curse on ravana that the day when he starts speaking and you know howling through all his 10 throats that's the time where his downfall actually begins and the moment ravana speaks i mean he uh, becomes conscious of the fact that he's speaking through all his 10 throats he himself gets scared but he kind of uh, balances himself a bit but you know how much I mean it's nice the way Swami writes and how much of he's trying to restrain himself still he's speaking in all his ten throats and uh, of course we made a mention of this last week too the other Rakshasas who saw this they get scared that in a day or two probably the war will start and we don't know how long we're going to live so immediately they start going into merrymaking you know mm-hmm. instead of uh, that that I think precisely is the idea, especially we spoke about the contrast between Parikshit and these uh, Vandaras. Yeah, Rakshasas. Yeah, Rakshasas. What you feel is actually life meant to do, you will do it when you know that life is only limited now. Right? And there Parikshit thought what, what was meant to be done with life is achieve something. Even if he didn't know what it was to achieve, he at least was trying to say that, you know, okay, something has to be achieved and let's do it through Shravanam or whatever. And these people thought that the ends of life was in their pleasure, pleasure seeking. So he said, if limited time is there, seek more pleasure, seek pleasure without any, uh, you know, any break. And Swami writes there, Vinashakale, Viprita Buddhi. Uh, Viprita actually is a very uh, nice word. It means uh, to work in an angle or in a manner opposite to what would 
actually be right okay so this is the time that you should not indulge in pleasure seeking because you realize how transitory these pleasures are but because it's viprita buddhi it's the opposite buddhi the uh, nearness to death make the rakshasas indulge more in pleasure right. and ravana in the meanwhile wants to hide this fear from others because the amount of fear he is feeling he sure that the wives will pass on to everyone he in his fear he rushes to seek solace he goes to his wife mandodri you know <laughs> because see prem i feel irrespective of how much bravado one may have how much ever uh, courage one may seem to possess when you are in the wrong the courage simply ebbs away and you know mandodri in terms of physical prowess and bravery she is not portrayed as uh, somebody who is very powerful or you know she is portrayed as a dainty delicate person the queen of ravana of course but she is also soft hearted emotional that kind of a person definitely not someone whom you will normally describe as strong powerful at least in comparison with ravana but you see she has a power that makes her more powerful than ravana which makes her capable of giving solace to ravana capable of giving strength to ravana that's why ravana is seeking it from her and what is that that is the power of goodness power of being on the right path i feel that's a strong message we should all learn to imbibe because though ravana had all the strength in the world all the powers in the world he did not have the power of the might of being right people say might is right i feel it's the other way being right is might so because ravana is not right and he's in the wrong in spite of all his strength he's flailing flailing at his knees he's feeling weak and he decides to go to mandodri to seek solace from her and the other strength which mandodri has which ami has mentioned before is you know that that quality of pativrata you know if you if you want to define that of course when it comes to a woman you a married woman we call it pativrata but i think in in all uh, fairness we can say that when somebody is able to love the other person with absolute selflessness with absolute welfare of the other person in mind i think in in the case of a woman who is showing that sort of a love towards her husband it's pativrata i think that is a strength because you know ravana knows that he can howl in the in the court and get so many ministers to say praise him and say that you will win if there's a battle you're the winner of so many battles and things like that but he knows that if there is somebody who is really bothered about his welfare and who will not hesitate to tell him you know what is good for him and that is mandodri and i think all through even uh, when he spoke about vibhishana we spoke uh, we spoke of that you know ravana was always looking for validation for his actions from these people because he knew that if you know even if 10% if they are convinced then he can get away with it exactly that is uh, that is a con- that is a thing i feel he's when i say that he is seeking solace from right, mandodri right. it's just this he hopes that mandodri has a, a validation for at least something that he has done because that makes him feel that yeah i am on the right path but instead of that you know different ways Man- mandodri tries to drive sense into his head she actually with all her love you know uh, she is after all ravana's wife she tenderly holds his hand and you know almost pleads out to her husband she says she uh, one of the things she says is you please think logically you know because in this case reverence and devotion will get you lot more much more than you are ever imagining compared to hatred and anger so logically why should you have hatred and anger 
why not inculcate reverence and devotion instead because they will give you the fruit that you are seeking she then goes on to state the truth though it may seem bitter to ravana when one is headed towards destruction definitely the truth has to be told even if it is bitter so she tells ravana that see you are like a glowworm and rama is like the sun you can't you can't outshine the sun how much ever you try because you are just a glowworm the best possible option would be to surrender sita seek pardon not only you the entire rakshasas will be saved you have an extra responsibility to do that because even if you are not feeling it right if you lead your entire army your entire you know clan into such kind of a destruction at least for their sake do do this you are known as a great devotee of lord shiva but do you think your lord you know she this is the third angle she's trying do you think your lord shiva will be happy with what you're doing because the lord is won over not just by words but by actions it is through your actions that you have shown your devotion to shiva i think uh, ravana actually had plucked out his intestines and played the veena right for uh, uh, ravana uh, for shiva so your devotion to shiva has manifested not just in words of praise but in your actual actions now look at your actions do you think these actions will please your lord and if your lord is not pleased with you even your lord will not be by your side so in all love mandodri is actually trying to explain to ravana that you change your ways right and of course i mean that's the beauty of this part as i said you know the the different arguments which are put forth and the you know how a person has to argue with the other person and if you casually read this you kind of feel like uh, putting yourself in ravana's place you would be enraged right hmm. somebody comes in praises your uh, uh, you know enemy and here you're trying to assert your power and somebody comes and says how oh, you're you're a glowworm in front of the sun and things like that but the way it is put forth you know this is the truth mandodri definitely feels that this is the truth she's telling the truth but the way it is put forth you know in the very next line swami says that uh, she tells ravana that you know you are dear to me as my own life See, it is not that I am praising Rama because I, I mean, I adore him or I, I look at him as somebody great. I am telling you this because you are dear to me. You know, at mm. no cost I want to lose you. So I am trying to put some sense into your head. And you know, then, uh, then this part where she explains that Rama is not a man. He is Vishnu come again, and then she she starts drawing examples from the Bhagavatam and says that he is the one who killed Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakashipu. And he says, do you know Kartivir Arjuna? He had thousand arms. With 20 arms you are trying to show off. He had thousand arms and all of that was chopped one after the other. Incidentally, you know, I just happened to read a little bit about this Kartavirya Arjuna. And uh, Kartavirya Arjuna is the one who actually comes to Jamadagni, that is Parshurama's father's hermitage. Right. Um, this is that point in time, you know, where uh, Kartavirya Arjuna conquers everything. And... Uh, where you know like how uh, it is said that desire is a root cause for destruction how krishna has beautifully stated that in the bhagavad gita mm-hmm. that's what happens the kartavira arjuna who is representation of all the kshatriyas he is the most powerful and he has conquered indra loka it is said everything he begins to covet wealth like like nobody's business you know that mm-hmm. way and therefore he begins to live, levy higher and higher taxes okay on the subjects and all this so because of which Uh, the brahmanas you know by brahmanas brahmanas are defined as those who have made the sole goal of their life as seeking brahman mm-hmm. so the brahmanas are getting disturbed now because 
Kartavirarjuna's greed is coming in even in the way of their needs. See, they don't hold wealth. They are satisfied with whatever little they have. But he is snatching that also away because he wants more, 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 more. So it is said that the Brahmanas using their spiritual strength made themselves as if they are holding a lot of wealth which attracted Kartavirarjuna to attack them more and more. So a lot more Brahmanas were attacked. Now it looked like, what is this? You know, in order to protect yourself <coughs> from Kartavirarjuna, mm-hmm. you are destroying yourself. But there is such a kind of master plan there. When that happens, Kartavirarjuna gets more and more intoxicated, more and more intoxicated, reaches that level where Vinashakale Viprita Buddhi. Okay. That is when he sees Jamadagni and his cow which is able to feed everybody. He covets the cow. When it's not given, he sends an army, he even beheads Jamadagni. Right. That is when Parshurama picks up his, Parashu means battle axe. He picks up the Parashu and Parshurama, that's why he's called Parashurama. His name is actually Rama. He picks up the Parashu and goes and chops off all the thousand arms of Kartavirajana before beheading him. And therefore, after killing him, the entire world becomes his own. It is said that Parshurama then gifts the entire world to the Brahmanas and leaves. So that is the story of Kartavira Arjuna. So just as Rama and Parshurama, you know, one is, uh, they are contemporaries. It's just that Parshurama in age is much elder to Rama. So too, Kartavira Arjuna and Ravana are contemporaries. Mm-hmm. In fact, at one point in time, Kartavira Arjuna, in order to let his wives enjoy bathing in a river, it is said that with his thousand arms, he blocks the entire river. And so that a kind of a temporary huge lake is formed formed where uh, his wives can bathe. But in the meanwhile, on the other, uh, further uh, downstream the river, it is Ravana who is engaged in penance and this sudden uh, loss of flow of the river disturbs his penance. He gets enraged and he attacks Kartavirajuna. And in the battle that follows, Ravana is humiliated, bashed up and beaten. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, that's why very intelligently Mandodari is giving the example of Kartavira Arjuna. Because Ravana, you remember, Kartavira Arjuna has smashed you. And such a person was thrashed. And that is the same Rama. That is the Parishu Rama. This is the Kodanda Rama. It's the same Rama. So remember, it is not such an ordinary being. He is, you know, so this is uh, striking at emotion as well as uh, logic. So that Kartavira Arjuna with thousands of arms has, you know, been defeated by Rama. So why are you taking this up? And final argument that she also tries, you know, she says that if I have to compare you and Vibhishana, you know, in courage, I definitely feel it is Vibhishana who is more brave than you. She tells Ravana that Ravana always, you are the one who is the bravest. Why in this regard has Vibhishana been more brave in you? Because he is more brave, I say, because he has got the courage to follow the right path. How lucky he is that he has gone and taken Sharanagati at Rama's feet. So she pleads and says, in this case also, please, may you turn out to be the braver one. May you turn out to be the more courageous one. Please muster the courage that your brother has had. Because what you are doing is not bravery. This is cowardice. You are not able to have the courage to accept that you did a fault. And just seek pardon for that fault that you know you have done. So, you know, be brave like your brother. And as you said, she pleads and she says, I means, you know, I am telling this out of love for you. She began to cry. And Ravana, you know, Vinashakale, Viprita Buddhi, at this point he looks and he thinks, oh, Mandodari is weak. And he starts pacifying her. How? By recounting his own glories. That is how uh, 
ವಿಪರೀತ ಬುದ್ಧಿ ರಿಯಾಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಐ ಥಿಂಕ್ one possible thing must must have happened is because we we know these different stories as you said about kartivira arjuna defeating ravana there is a story of vali defeating ravana which we'll come back come back to in a short while maybe ravana grew through all these you know defeats and probably that was what was his uh, you know confidence or overconfidence too that you know you're tra- you're trying to telling uh, try to tell me about the past and i have won so many battles after that i have won so many boons after that Mm-hmm. and maybe that was the source of his confidence but i'm sure all of this was hitting at his confidence too you know to be reminded of all these things and you know that is a mandodri actually gives a suggestion she says that you know you take mother sita go and leave her back to rama and you know plead for forgiveness I mean what courage to tell this to ravana really you know unless you really are so pure she says you return uh, sita to rama and you you know don't just stop there you seek for forgiveness i'm sure rama will forgive you and then she says let us then crown our king and we both will go and do penance you know mm. wh- why do you want to hold on to this uh, for so long i think that's where i think this is also a, a scene which is quite similar to what happens in the mahabharat you know G- uh, gandhari actually suggests this to dhritarashtra a couple of times before the war, war says you know why you want to still hold on to this uh, kingdom why don't you just leave it and vidura also suggests that you know when you go away and do penance in the forest i think the time has come the time has come <laughs> you can't do anything and as you said that's what he says that mandodri why are you becoming weak why are you becoming uh, so scared starts recounting his uh, you know how how many kings he has conquered how many kings he's defeated and then he says that this is going to be another victory for him that's all it is going to be and he storms off as you rightly said when the time has come the time has come i think prem the time has now come for a little break we dear listeners don't go away we'll uh, continue after this little break because ravana now leaves uh, mandodari's chambers where he had come to seek solace where he didn't get it goes back now to the court and what happens there is interesting it will follow after this little break ರಾಮಚರಣ ಸುಖದಾಯಿಭೋರೆ ರಾಮಚರಣ ಸುಖದಾಯಿಭೋರೆ ರಾಮಚರಣ
सुख शांति समाई रे के चरण साईनाथ के Precisely, that was that would have been uh, the mood of Mandodari, because as Swami writes here, after that Mandodari just gives up, and Swami says that she retires to her apartment with thoughts of Rama, and that's what Swami writes so beautifully. And what a wonderful bhajan! Really, she must have been thinking like that. You know, fool, you are! You could have just, you know, the solution lies right in front of you. Many times, that's the whole problem with us. You know, the solution lies right in front of us. But we are looking for something beyond that. That's precisely what Rama, uh, Ravana does, because in his court, as we said, he starts speaking in ten throats. He gets scared, comes to Mandodri, Mandodri gives gives him the truth, which is not what he's looking for. Then again, he goes back to the uh, in court again, searching for that same solace and same uh, false support. You know, uh, looking at the way Mandodri retires into her inner chambers, it's almost like. Physically, it's not possible for Mandodri to just leave Lanka and go to Rama the way Vibhishana did because of various constraints. Because after all, she is inhabiting a female body, and in, you know Vibhishana can go and join Rama's army. But uh, you see, as far as we know, 
I don't think there was even a single woman on Rama's camp, right? In Rama's camp. Mm-hmm. So, I think it would have been awkward and not possible for Mandodari to go and join uh, Rama that way. So, I feel she did uh, something that she could, which is join Rama inwardly. Again, I feel that's such a powerful message for all of us because uh, even when Swami was physically there, many of us, many of us, let's face it, only a few actually got the physical access. Today, someone might come and say, you're lucky you had Swami. But uh, how do you explain to them, Prem, that uh, we had Swami in the sense we were inhabiting the same land that in- he <laughs> inhabited. It's not as if like how... How somebody asks Radio Sai or how somebody writes to listener at Radio Sai and asks a question and you get an answer. How many times have any of us had the opportunity to directly pose a question to Swami and get the answer? On those few occasions when that has happened, those are the uh, episodes that have been written about, that have been glorified and that stand like, you know, epochal experiences. But very few we have got it like that. So... I feel again another message that Mandodri gives here is if you are not able to physically join your Lord, if you cannot make it that way, there is always the inner option. And that option is something that nobody can take away from you. Because Mandodri staying in the heart of Lanka, being the wife of the greatest enemy of Rama, is still able to be one with Rama because her inside is her inside and no one can take that away from her. Absolutely. I think, you know, that is the most... uh most wise option to turn to because uh, I'm, even as you were saying that even though we were living here it's not that we could have all our problems uh, sorted out by Swami or even get counsel from Swami reminder of one of our juniors you know he uh, I think he, he was his family was going through a lot of turmoil at one particular time mm-hmm. uh, he had a couple of sisters and all of them had their own personal problems they had their combined problems they had a, you know health issues all of that and that same period Swami would interact with them almost every day. Almost every other day Swami would call them for an interview, 45 minutes, one hour. And uh, you know, about a week later when we spoke to that boy, he said, Swami is speaking about everything other than the problems which we want solutions for. Mm. I mean, you can imagine what would have been the plight of that family, you know. And we were sitting outside, we were thinking that uh, Swami must be sorting out all their problems. But Definitely, Swami was giving them courage and uh, you know immense amount of. Uh, I, I moral think support. I know the boy whom you are speaking about, and I also am guilty. I must say, of some days I used to think that, come on, man, what is it every day? Because you know, uh, I think this was in the time in the 2009, 2010, right? right? So right. when Swami was physically not keeping so well, so I used to wonder that what is this man that you are doing every day? You are bothering Swami with your problems. Yesterday, Swami spoke to you. Is that not enough today? Of course, I never had the courage nor the foolishness to tell him directly. But these thoughts would go on in my mind. It's only after, as you said, after this boy related that we realized that uh, those Swami are speaking to him every day. <laughs> Swami is not actually giving a direct solution to the problem right. for which he is asking. Because I th- in many ways, I think, you know, God does not come into our life to solve our daily problems. I think God comes into our life so that we turn to God. You know? But we keep Him as a problem solver and want to keep Him there. I think that's the whole problem and that's precisely where we all get stuck, isn't hey, it? At this point, I must interrupt because I remembered one very interesting uh, uh, few lines that I read, lines of wisdom. So beautiful it is when you said that God doesn't come to solve our problems. Though, though God has all the answers, He doesn't give the answer for us because He wants a 
us to work it out uh in that context i remember this you know it was said that a master was uh talking to his disciples and one of them said that why do i need god because my religion tells me everything that i should do and should not do <laughs> so why should i why do i not why do i need god why do i need this self inquiry find out and why do i need that because i have okay. a rule book to which I, i shall adhere to and it is said that the master's reply is so beautiful you know he he replies by saying that you know what uh, you need not actually solve all the problems in the maths textbook okay because the last page of the textbook has all the answers <laughs> and guess what those answer and you know what those answers are also right <laughs> means you just have to know the answer yes you know the answer but you will never become a mathematician if you have to become a mathematician you solve the problems it's not about it's not about getting the answers right but it's about going through and solving the problem because even though you solve the even though you may uh, solve the problem and not get the answer right you will still be a better mathematician than a person who simply copies the answer from the last page and you know another teacher of us was explaining this he said imagine you're sitting to write an exam okay and the examiner who comes into the room is the same teacher who taught you the subject hmm. okay so you have the questions in front of you you're sitting to answer those questions and the same teacher who taught you the answers and who knows all the answers to the questions probably the one who said the question paper is in the room but he can't tell you all the answers because that's that's the whole point and he had a very he had a very beautiful touch to it he said see this teacher will not give you the answers because it's against the rules but let's say he's just walking past you when you're answering the paper okay and he just looks over your shoulder and you've written an answer right he he is not given you the answer he is not cheated in the paper but he just pats you on the back and he says good answer and he says what a difference in confidence it will make to you when you know that you've written a good answer against whether you've written it you're not sure whether you've written a right answer or not and he said that's the difference you know when swami does to our lives Hmm. he will not give us the answer he will only train us to write the answer on that moment when you're supposed to write the answer yourself but he's always there to you know encourage and say that you know it was right it was wrong it's, it's okay don't worry you can take it another time or whatever it calls for and precisely what ravana is going through imagine the lord is at his doorstep okay and he has done a mistake and he needs forgiveness more than anybody else and the people who are have his best interest in their minds they're telling him you know you fool go and seek forgiveness go and follow the lord's feet I mean if being in the same land being breathing the same air is all it takes then ravana should by now be transformed at least right exactly that is why swami would always emphasize on the dearness more than nearness because we ourselves see people who were apparently near swami who are apparently you know who are apparently near to swami Uh, it's not as if they are our ideals we see them also straying and we also see people who apparently have never had an interaction physically with swami and yet they are such ideals that we would like to emulate and swami would always differentiate this and say it's no use of getting near you should get dear because nearness is like being like the frogs near a lotus while dearness is like being the bees who are nowhere near the lotus and and are yet able to enjoy the nectar of what does the bee do it comes to the lotus takes the nectar and goes back to its hive though it is far away in the hive it's still able to enjoy the nectar that is there in the lotus that is what swami would speak about you know that is how he would even say 
about the foreigners. You know, he would say foreigners are actually far nears. Those who are far yet are near to me because they are dear to me. Because like the bees, they come from far and take away the nectar. So, you know, coming back to that. So therefore, nearness means nothing if it is not used for developing dearness. And uh, I am very much tempted here, Prem, because of the word dearness, to narrate something that I heard just two days back. Okay. It's so beautiful. It narrated to me by Bhagya, sir, okay. Professor Bhagya. You know, he was saying that Swami once asked him, uh, how many kinds of, uh, you have worked in a factory, how many kinds of workers are there in the factory? And Bhagya, sir, said, Swami, uh, there are broadly two kinds. One is the part-time workers and one is the full-time workers. Mm-hmm. Swami asked, what are part-time workers? So, Swami, part-time workers are those who work and get their daily wages. That's it. I mean, proportionate or commensurate to the work they have done, they get paid. And Swami said, oh, then what What about full-time workers? Swami, full-time workers get paid proportionate to the work they have done. But apart from that, Swami, they also get DA. You know, they get DNS allowance. And uh, they also have a provision for pension in the future. Mm-hmm. Swami asked, what is pension? Swami, once they are no longer associated with the company, even though they are not associated with the company, they continue to benefit financially because of their association, because of the way they were associated with the company. That is, they are full-time workers. And then he says, Swami immediately said, you know, I also have two kinds of devotees. Part-time devotees, full-time devotees. (laughs) And he said, part-time devotees, they just get daily wages. Come and proportionate to the amount of devotion they have put in, they get reward. But full-time devotees, apart from getting reward which is commensurate to the amount of devotion they have put in, they also get dearness. Dearness allowance, Swami said. They get dearness. Apart from that, pension. What is pension? Not only in this life of association, in future life also, even though you are not physically associated with that company, the divine company, you will continue to get grace and blessings and that is the pension that I give. Uh, you know, uh, it will be incomplete if I don't go ahead and say what Bhagyasar said. Bhagyasar said, Swami, I am a part-time devotee, but I know how much time it takes to be a part-time devotee. Mm-hmm. Where on earth will I find time to be a full-time devotee? Correct? Because it is the same Bhagyasar to whom I think we discussed in the previous satsang, where Swami had said that you can't separate this as worldly work and spiritual work. You mm-hmm. have to, you can't give up everything in the world and say I will be dedicated only to God. You have to be in the world. So, so how do you now find time to be a full-time devotee? Swami said actually it's easier to be a full-time devotee than a part-time devotee. And Swami said, a full-time devotee doesn't mean you have to do anything for God. Just that whatever happens in your life, you should not get affected. Accept. Accept whatever happens in your life and be calm. Don't get excited. Don't get depressed. Because that is a sign of a true devotee, a full-time devotee. And then Swami added that this is possible only if you have faith. Because only when you have faith, you will know that whatever you are receiving in life, is God's gift to you and it is the best for you. And that alone will be able to give you equanimity. Swami said, so it is, it's not time consuming. It's all about acceptance. As long as you become all accepting, uh, means when, once you become all accepting, you become a full-time devotee. 
And just speaking of dearness <laughs> and nearness, I was reminded of this episode and thought I'll narrate it. And even as you're saying, just wondering where we all fit in. And the only thing I'm, I'm getting to mind is, you know, uh, I don't know if our overseas devotees are aware of it. There is a, there is this thing called Mandrega in, in India, right? Mm-hmm. Where actually you're a, you're a farmer or something, but the government ensures 100 days of working. That is if you're, your crop fails or you don't have anything to do in your farm you can come and work in the it's, un- it's something a Mahatma Gandhi employment <coughs> right. employment guarantee scheme guarantee scheme uh-huh. so if your any work in your agricultural uh, field is not guaranteed the government guarantees you what daily work Correct. so it is like when everything fails you come to Mandrega <laughs> it's like that and I think we are like that we are not even part time workers part time workers at least have a commitment this is like when everything fails, when I have nothing else to do, okay, let me turn to Swami. <laughs> right. But with, that is with, Swami's love. With absolute due respect to the workers of Manrega, of course. But I'm saying that, you know, when when we turn to God only when there is a need, when we turn to God only when all else, know, fails. All else fails, you can't even be a, a claim to be a part-time worker, right? Part-time devotee in that sense. Absolutely. Uh, we go back to the story where Ravana now goes to the court and he continues in the same vein. He has just boasted about his achievements to Mandodri and he boasts about the same. And immediately there is a bhajan session that goes on where Ravana is the lead singer and all the other Rakshasas are following the lines that he's singing. They sing the same tunes along with him. They flatter him. They glorify him. But amongst all of them, there is a very, very brave warrior. Uh, person whom Ravana holds highly in regard not only because he is his son but also because he is a very powerful warrior who has won him many victories that is Prahasta Prahasta is Ravana's own son who has been responsible for victories over Kubera and other uh, uh, wars on behalf of Ravana he has fought he gets up because you know all said and done here when you are speaking business you don't mix uh, personal things with business in the same way it looks like Prahasta doesn't like to mix his uh, relationship with his father with uh, strategy and war matters he gets up and decides to call a spade a spade he tells Ravana, he tells his own father <clears throat> he says you are saying that when the monkeys come each Rakshasa will devour 4-5 or five of them he says whom are you kidding there was one monkey that came here, just one monkey and that one monkey wrecked such havoc. What happened to the jaws and maws of all your uh, Rakshasas then? Couldn't all your Rakshasas together eat a gobble of one monkey? And now you are telling each Rakshasa will gobble of 5-6. And they are also dancing to your tunes and saying yes. But let me tell this to you Ravana, all this is nonsense. You will get demolished and destroyed. Because if that is the capacity of one monkey, there are hordes waiting out there and they will come and... In a trice, they will destroy whole of Lanka. So, you know, actually it is not Prahasta, the son of Ravana who is speaking here. It's Prahasta, the master tactician and the great army general who is speaking. But, you know, again, Vinashakale Viprita Buddhi, your brain goes against, your discrimination goes haywire. Ravana thinks that my own son is ditching me. Just like he thinks that his own brother Vibhishna ditched him and his wife is ditching him. He is now thinking that my own son whom I rely upon you know it is often said uh, that a son is a Buddha Peki Lakadi. He is like the walking stick for an old, old parent. Age, uh, for old age. And Ravana is now feeling absolutely uh, ditched. And he shouts and calls him out. You fool. 
you are like a spark in a bamboo thicket born in the same bamboo thicket but destroys the whole bamboo thicket though you are born in this clan you are you seem intent on destroying our own clan because you are siding with the enemy he insults his own son and throws him out of court and prahasta knows that he didn't do this emotionally he did it logically he's he's telling it from a milita- military angle so with nothing else to do uh, swami writes that prahasta also leaves ravana's court and goes and joins his mother mandodri and both sit in contemplation and prayer to rama in one point of course he makes this you know he says uh in he he refers to the monkey army and he says here is one person who is able to marshal so many thousands and mil- million uh, thousands of millions of monkeys as we spoke about the number the last time you know he can you do you still think that he can be human that you know, some one human is able to command the respect and is able to gather together such a monkey army get a you know a bridge built in such short time and you still say he is a hu- mere human being i can get over him you know it it de- defeats all logic and uh, because as he says you know finally he says that your ruin your ruinous time has come and your no good counsel is going to reach your ears and he walks away but this is such a beautiful thing and of course we've spoken about this before and just doesn't matter mentioning it again because you know very very often we look at the world around and say there's so many problems god does not do anything but this entire ramayana is about that you know as sanjay sani sir tells in a in a speech in a very Uh, hilarious way he says why did rama have to do all this you know he could have just got up and say ravana you die sita you come to <laughs> 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 yeah. typically in sani says style you would say the whole thing would have been finished and that's precisely what we expect from god most of the time right we want god to solve problems like that we want god to get up and say poverty you go prosperity you come and it never happens like that and it always happens like this when rama gets up and says that i want to achieve it through this monkey army through that through those individuals whom the whole world looks at as insignificant i want to pick them up make an army out of them and then achieve it and that's precisely what swami has done too you know you you have to face the problems of the world as venkatraman sir would say it you created the problem so you solve the problem i can at best guide you and that is what that is the role i'm going to play and that's precisely is the lesson which you know the vanar army is here to teach i feel and you know looking at ravana the way he is responding he has seen so many omens all omens which portend towards his destruction mandodri has also reminded him actually i think uh, we forgot that one point mandodri reminds him that brahma had told that as your time of death comes close all these will happen starting with lankini Uh, i think it her name is lankini right who is taking care right, of the, right. she being defeated by a monkey a monkey setting fire to lanka apart from that you talking through all your throat so many of these you know in spite of that you are not agreeing it it reminded me of that chinnakatha that swami often mentions saying how uh, an old man you know on his deathbed turns to the lord of death and he says what is this lord without any warning without anything you just come and take me away i was not prepared for death and swami says that the lord of death replies to him saying i tried to indicate to you no he says first i sent you white hair to show that you're growing old but what did you do you applied a <laughs> dye and made yourself black again then i slowly knocked out your teeth one by one 
what did you do you put dentures and continue to eat whatever you did as a youth i gave you wrinkled skin but you put creams and you put different things and you made it straighten i have sent you so many indicators that your death is coming you ignored all of them and tried to cover them up and now when death comes you say oh death what is it suddenly you come i feel it almost similar like that ravana is a dying man and so many signals of death are being sent to him yet like just like how in life we are blind to the truth that we are all headed towards our ultimate destiny you know i feel death is our ultimate destiny actually in a physical sense because irrespective of whatever we plan whether they come forth or not whether they happen or not whether our efforts bear fruit or not the only certainty that we have is death in a physical way so that is a harsh reality that uh, stares into our face day in and day out and yet how many of us think of death even once a day you know because it's considered taboo it's considered uh, very sorrowful actually it's a great awakening experience to think of death that way we don't do it in the same way in the same manner ravana is not doing it and in spite of all these omens he refused to hear all this and it looks like ravana is going to face a certain death but then the lord is so compassionate because even as ravana is throwing out people who seem to speak a word in support of rama and he's encouraging and in- inflaming those who are speaking of hatred and spite towards rama rama seems to be doing the opposite he is calming down people he is trying to tell them that no no ravana is just gone a little haywire let's give him another chance it's amazing to know what rama is doing on the other side in the camp right and as we said he precisely is planning to give ravana one more chance and then he starts looking around and he says that whom shall we select as a messenger this time and uh, i mean what can you expect you know poor rama he is having all monkeys around and whom do you suggest uh, will i mean with all fairness you know even uh, hanuman as swami would say many times later you know rama sends him to see and come he he burns and come <laughs> comes, you know swami would say in telugu choosy uh, oh, i don't know how do you put it instead of saying see and come he says choosy oh, ravalante kachi ochadu swami uh-huh. would say you know instead of seeing and coming he burnt it came if that was the case with hanuman and wonder whom rama will choose but i think uh, what rama does is he chooses the one who probably is in in a good rank in the army and so he looks at angada and he says angada is going to be the crown prince of uh, kishkenta he is the you know son of wali wali has a relationship with ravana so i think in all fairness wali would be the right person to angada would, uh, angada would be the right person to go and take this message of truth to ravana and so angada is sent but before sending angada you know rama beautifully explains to him to be calm don't give yourself to temper explain calmly and explain very plainly don't uh, don't mock at him don't uh, don't make him more angry so that he doesn't uh, becomes more blind to the truth that's what rama tells him and he says you go and try to bring ravana to his senses so angada is chosen and angada is so moved by this gesture of rama and he says rama even if i have to give my life in this process i'm the most happiest to do that and rama is rama is in turn so moved he blesses him like he would bless his own son and he sends angada and as angada sets out dear listeners both prem and me also will set out on another little break we will take a break at this point enjoy this uh, musical break 
and very soon we will be back and we will take the story forward from where we left off now that is angada has departed from rama's camp and is headed into the lions den दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौसल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौसल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौशल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा कौशल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा पति तपावन सीता पति रामा 
पतित पावन रघुपते राम पतित पावन पते वेलकम बैक डेयर लिस्नर्स यू नो लिस्निंग टू दैट भजन प्रेम आई वॉज रिमाइंडेड ऑफ दैट लिटिल वीडियो क्लिप वी हर सीन वेर यू नो आई थिंक स्टूडेंट सैंग प्रिसाइडली दिस भजन रघुपते राघवा राजा रामा एंड आफ्टर दी भजन सेशन इन थ्राई वृंदावन स्वामी कॉल्स हिम एंड ही सेज ए विच वॉज अ भजन यू सैंग ही सेज रघुपते राघवा हाँ स्वामी सैंग सिंगट सिंगट So he starts singing Ragu Pate Ragava Raja Rama. Okay, next line. O Raja Rama. Okay, next. O Sai Rama. Okay, next. <laughs> Dasharatanandana Raja Rama. Huh? Then uh, Kausalasmaya Sundar Rama. Okay, next. Swami is you know, waiting for something. Then uh, Rama Rama Jaya Raja Rama. Hmm? Ragava Mohana Mega Shama. Hey, Tapu Tapu. Swami says, stop. How is this Ragava Mohana Mega Shama? Mohana Mega Shama is Krishna. How can it be Raghava? Swami says it is Rama Rama Jai Raja Rama Shamala Komala Mega Shama. And Swami makes the correction. So I was just reminded of this beautiful thing. Right. And, and, and the beautiful thing is after Swami says that, huh? you know, Swami with a very, very mischievous smile, Swami says, Swami is simply closing his eyes and sitting for bhajans. He is not hearing what we can sing, whatever we want. <laughs> He says, I'm listening to everything, you know, I know. And how many times Swami would correct this? I mean, even as you're saying this, I remember once Swami walking straight after evening bhajans in Thrai, mm-hmm. you know, comes straight to one boy who sang a bhajan that day. And Swami looks at him very firmly and says, why did the talam miss? Why did you miss the talam today? Mm-hmm. And probably nobody would have noticed it also, you know, it, it uh, it happens sometimes with bhajans, you know, you skip a beat and then you start the second speed or something like that. And Swami comes and those are the times when Swami is angry with you and probably you feel so happy that Swami actually is listening. Exactly. <laughs> right? You know, and I don't know, I was just thinking if I was in that boy's place, I would just say, Swami, when when you are there, why, what is the surprise if we skip a beat, Swami? <laughs> you make us skip so many beats, you make our hearts skip so many beats. I was reminded of, you know, uh uh one incident like this uh, my own personal experience i feel you know with swami i'm sure this is everyone's experience too when we are spontaneous and true swami appreciates however absurd or ridiculous your answer may be i remember on one birthday swami was coming and uh, in the wheelchair i think it was possibly the 84th birthday i think 84th birthday and uh, from the distance when we saw Swami was in a yellow robe. So it was so beautiful. We were so happy. And I remember taking pictures. And as Swami came close, we suddenly noticed that it was not a yellow robe. Mm-hmm. It was a golden robe. And my immediate thought was, oh my God, how beautiful. And I put the camera down and you know, I think physically my jaw dropped down in awe maybe. Because as Swami was passing by me, he looked and he said, what, what was it? What was it? Means what was that expression? And, uh, you know, <laughs> the spontaneous answer that came was, I just said, Swami, I, I just felt you're looking beautiful, but I realized that you're looking more beautiful than that, you know. <laughs> How else will you put that? I, I felt he was beautiful, but I felt he's more beautiful. And, you know, Swami became so happy. He gave us such a broad smile. And later on, I was thinking, oh my God, what an answer it was. In the sense, 
uh, it doesn't make sense i thought you are looking beautiful but you are actually looking more beautiful <laughs> but uh, that's how it is and now even as you were saying hey why did you skip a beat the on spontaneous answer that i got was swami seeing you why a beat swami our heart skips so many beats because such is the beautiful form and you know prem humaja we may speak of dearness nearness <laughs> and all that i really miss that beautiful frame and uh, yes dearness is more important than nearness but nothing like having nearness along with dearness how beautiful it will be and i'm sure that along with me there are a million other hearts pounding with that same desire and uh, hope that one day we will be able to translate the dearness that we have with our lord means till now i felt when swami was physically there it was an opportunity for us to translate our nearness with the lord into dearness for the lord now is the opportunity to translate our dearness with the lord into nearness with the lord and hopefully someday with our own physical eyes we will be able to see him in front of us when the right time and right situation arises that absolutely i think that is that is probably the promise which is keeping us all you know going on probably and uh, coming back to the story because mm-hmm. listeners must be wondering why the hell do these boys take a break and <laughs> <laughs> go somewhere <laughs> they get lost in it anyway and uh, i mean as the story goes we we spoke about how lord rama is wondering whom to send as a emissary of peace there because one detail which we missed was they are camping in a mountain called sunila sunila ha sunila so he says i mean as you saying that huge hordes of it's a huge horde of an army which must be this must be a huge hillock by itself and entirely infested by this monkey army i'm sure So Angada is here, and he is called, and he is given this task of going and trying to drive some sense into Ravana's head, and he fearlessly just walks into this uh, city of Ravana, and initially he is being uh, opposed by some people. Some people try to stop him, and he is like just walking in, uh, not minding any of them, and that is when. Uh, again this time it, it is uh, one more the other one more son of ravana comes in tries to stop him and he says accosts him and says that who are you who are you trying to walk in and angada continues to walk and at one point he tries to attack him attack him by catching him and uh, that's when angada actually retaliates, uh, retaliates throws him out and catches him physically and throws him and he falls unconscious The moment this happens, all the other rakshasas think that it is the same monkey who has come again. It's Hanuman who has come back again. So after this, nobody even dares to come and stop him. He happily walks right up to the uh, palace of Ravana, and then sends word, as we said, Ravana is back in his court. And that scene which we mentioned with uh, Prahasta has just happened. And so the news is taken to Ravana that there is another monkey at the door. seeking audience the same monkey that has come right, again right seeking audience and interestingly uh, last week we were speaking about you know that rama setu and rameshwaram and all these spots guess what uh, if we just look up in wikipedia there are several spots in sri lanka that are revered as holy there is ashokavana where you know ravana had kept sita as prisoner there are different spots like that to mark different things that happened in lanka there are spots where rama had camped during his campaign in lanka so you know it can't happen that across two countries <laughs> you are building up a mythology you know it's definitely part of history and the sooner we appreciate and realize that i feel the more we will be benefited so anyway uh, uh, 
Angada has walked into the court and what puts off Ravana is what he thinks is the arrogance of a monkey. He doesn't realize that it is the self-confidence of Angada because he's on the right side. Such self-confidence is mistaken for arrogance and you know Ravana roars out and uh, seeing Ravana in anger, I think Angada remembers that uh, Rama had said try to calm him, don't try to enrage him more. So he starts off in a nice way by saying that see uh, see Ravana, I am sent here because uh, you are an old friend of my father. So, you know, that's it. Ravana thinking, who, who is this person's father? Who Whose son are you? He says, I am the son of Wali. And Ravana says, oh yeah, yeah, I think I remember a monkey by that name like that. You know, again, this is pure acting because how can he forget the name of a so-called monkey that <laughs> held him captive in its armpit for so long, you know. Wali had held Ravana captive in his armpit after beating him. So, right. so uh, anyway, Ravana acts like that because he wants to show off that he is some superior thing. So, when he says like that, it's so beautiful. Wali says, I, I mean, Angada says that, see, I know you are a dear friend of my father, but don't be so eager to go and meet him again. Obviously, referring... Uh, referring to the death of Wali at the hands of Ravana, at the hands of Rama, and communicating the same to Ravana, saying that you know my father has smashed you, and my father has been actually smashed by Rama. So that is the person you're dealing with. So, in a very beautiful poetic manner, Swami writes that Angada says, "Why are you so keen to you know meet your friend again? You will be meeting with him soon, unless you change your ways." Right, and I mean as you said. The way uh, Ravana says, yeah, I remember vaguely a monkey by that name. But in fact, uh, I think in another discourse, Swami says, Ravana gets very unsettled when he realizes that it's Wali and he hears about the story of Wali from Angada. You know, how Wali was defeated by Rama Mm. and how Wali was so happy to finally, you know, receive that end in Rama's hand. And, you know, that is when Ravana actually is a little again, it's another bolt for him, but again he recovers. And then Ravana starts arguing with Angada and tries to kind of strike some fear in Angada, saying that, you know, that you are no match to me, your army is no match, and who all are there in your army after all? You know, is there any one person who can stand against me? And then he starts naming each one of them. And he says, you know, first of all, Rama is he's so uh, despondent that he's lost his wife. Will he be able to stand in battle? And Ravana, uh, Lakshmana is like all the time taking care of Rama and he himself is sad because his brother is sad. Will he be good at battle? And then he says, what about Sugriva? And don't you realize that you and Sugriva are fighting for that same throne? And given a chance, he will pounce on you. And you know, there is a discord in, within your army. There is no unity. Will you be able to stand together and fight against me? And then he says, Nala and Nila, they are engineers. I think probably he is also trying to show that I have gathered my information. I have got you my know? intel. Huh. Right, I have got, I've got my information, I have got my intelligence, I know what you are up to and that sort of a thing. And uh, then of course he starts talking about his own glory and saying that I have defeated so many people. And in fact in another discourse I think Swami makes this point where Ravana actually makes an offer. He says, I will, I will uh, make you the king of Kishkinta. You know, I will finish off Sugriva. You don't even have to wait till Sugriva dies and then you become the, uh, you know, you're a crown prince who becomes the king later. I will finish Sugriva. I will put you as, you know, the, the king of, uh, Kishkinta. Kishkinta. You join my camp. 
and he's trying to uh, win over. This is a common strategy that is practiced, headhunting. It goes on, you try to win people from the other camp. That's what Ravana is trying here. And as you rightly said, Ravana is also very intelligent. Often Swami would uh, speak of the intelligence of Ravana because of which, you know, that beautiful conversation with Hanuman also, which is very poetic. And here also, just as Angada is subtly indicating with all intelligence, Ravana is also subtly indicating, you know, that as you said, I have got my own intelligence. But now Angada wants to tell him that you might have got your intelligence, but the way you read that is all wrong. <laughs> the way you are interpreting your intelligence is all wrong. That's why he shouts out and he say, he doesn't shout out actually, he states very firmly, he says, Ravana, you have got 20 eyes. Yes, normally people have only two eyes to gather intelligence from. Of course, you have 20. But you know what, in spite of having 20 eyes, you are blind. You don't, you, you are not even equal to a person who has two eyes. He says, Ravana, you have 20 ears. In spite of it, you are deaf. What, I, I mean, I was just thinking, what beautiful poetry, what a way to communicate so much, you know. Say that, yes, of course, you have got superior, you are superior in everything and yet, in spite of that superiority, you are not even equal to an ordinary th- person, you know. That is what Angada tells. And you know, as, as I read this frame, one thing that impressed me was Angada's own surrender to Rama. You know, we often speak of how Bharata gave up his mother for the sake of the Lord, how Vibhishna gave up his brother for the sake of uh, the Lord. But see here, if we see the way Swami has written about what Angada speaks, Angada says that you will go and meet your old friend Vali in death. You know, that's how he speaks. Uh, Vali is after all his own father. But you know, Angada's love, loyalty, devotion towards Rama is at a much, much, much higher level compared to his own love and attachment towards his father. It looks like Angada is the least attached to his own father. And uh, even when it comes to praising his own father, he does only with respect to Vali's surrender to Rama. He doesn't praise or boast about Vali's strength and prowess, which is on par, if not greater than Ravana's. But see, I feel that is one quality and trait of a devotee where appreciation is only in those parts where it's in line with your Lord. And Angada, though Wali's own father, is appreciating him only for those parts where he surrendered and was loyal to Rama. Otherwise, he's absolutely detached from his father. And I think this is possibly a trait which made, uh, you know, of course, there are other tactical uh, thoughts which you stated. But I think this is the surrender towards Rama that Rama knows because of which other than Hanuman, Rama finds only Angada equal to the task. Because you know, last week we had played that clip where Swami said that apart from Hanuman, nobody else had that kind of Shreya Marga. They all had the Preya Marga. Possibly Angada came close second to Hanuman. And that's why Angada had been chosen to be sent as an emissary to Ravana. Right, and in the uh, other thing Ravana says is, you know, he, he says, I am only maintaining restraint because you are a messenger. And you know, it, moral code does not, uh, uh, I mean, I, I am stopped by moral code, so it, I, I mean, being a messenger, I can't uh, harm you. And that's when Angada says, you know, what morality are you talking about? <laughs> right, and he starts telling that, do you, I mean, do you, may, are you not even hesitant to say this? I have a moral code and I, I, I have a, I'm a righteous superior because he keeps addressing him, you, you all monkeys, 
you know what are you good at you can only destroy uh, 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 trees and this is what you all meant for and then angada starts telling you know uh, ravana have you forgotten your past this is how you defeated kubera this is how you treated a messenger so and so sent in fact mm-hmm. a messenger sent by kubera wo- was eaten up by ravana it is said <laughs> right. and hanuman's tail has been set on fire right and she says you know this is the morality that you come from and this is the morality of your clan and you're trying to tell what we monkeys do and uh, you know i think this is where angada probably loses it and he starts uh, really venting out his anger against uh, ravana and uh, yeah he says you know you are considering monkeys as mean animals do you you have not cared to know about the lord about god about destiny and fate now i feel at this point rather than we summarize i'll just read out what swami writes so beautifully he says Why Ravana have not monkeys taught you more than you know they have demolished your parks they have killed your son they have reduced your city into a pile of ash but you know they still have to perform one more feat yet they have to administer proper punishment to you we have allowed you to escape the fate that you must meet i believe that your heart will be cured by downright advice and the harsh truth but no you seem to have no sense of shame you have no idea of repentance you have no trace of morality no habit of rectitude what a pity and you are still gnashing your teeth in anger at vibhishna and burdening the earth by your weight you are calling him names like coward and traitor the sooner you are eliminated the better you are worse than the dogs that infest your street they do not have the vices that you suffer from and you will soon realize that their lives are better than yours i think as you rightly said angada lost it here <laughs> right and of course then he says you know uh, at one point he says you know e- even in the battle rama is not going to kill you because nobody is going to praise a lion for killing a frog you are no match to rama in this he has come here only because of you know and giving you this opportunity this opportunity is being given to you i have come here as a peace emissary because I mean you are no match to him I mean even if you stand in battle it is no glory to rama if he is going to be able to kill you and of course you we can imagine what would have been you know ravana's plight Again, as we said you know from all his 10th throats he begins shouting out in fact he starts going in you know, this is one trait of sure shot destruction where you start going into the self you know the self with the smallest he starts speaking about how he is a redoubtable stalwart who lifted the kailasa peak who did this who did that and even as he is going on you know angada now seems to recover a little bit of uh, composure and he says you know stop it ravana stop it don't be a fool and waste your breath and all this instead of the chant ramnam you know he says <laughs> at least that will help you instead of wasting your breath and all these sing the praises of rama surrender to him or else you know uh, there will be an arrow in the place of where your head is now and your heads will be bouncing about like balls on the <laughs> floor being kicked around by the monkeys you know that is the kind of uh, graphic detail in which he describes and and uh, ravana gets anger and he shouts out to shut up in retaliation you know angada just grows in all his size and then slaps the earth slaps the floor there it, and it is said that the mighty rumble that it creates makes all the crowns from ravana's head fall off from the 10 heads there are 10 crowns all the 10 crowns fall off angada picks up four of those crowns which roll down near him and throws them so hard it is said that they land up at the feet of lord rama <laughs> so you see already another sign is being given another omen 
you know, for the first time, all the ten crowns are rolling off from Ravana's head. What more omen do you want about the uh, decrowning that is going to happen in the near future? But instead of this, you know, instead of uh, fearing this and learning from it, Ravana just screams out in fury, just as he screamed out at Hanuman. He says, bind this foolish monkey, eat him up, don't allow him to go, kill him. This is the kind of foolish reaction that Ravana does. Right, and I think at this point, of course, this is a very famous uh, incident in this meeting where Angadas says that, you know, nobody can even, you know, forget binding me, forget eating me up. You can't even move me one inch from this place. In fact, uh, that's a beautiful episode that has also been portrayed wonderfully in uh, our old Ramayana serial. Right. Uh, Possibly we can uh, leave that for the next fortnight. But there is one powerful statement that Angada makes. He says that, you know, it it is because of our love for Rama that we are leaving you. Otherwise, you know, I would have killed you and thrown your carcass into the ocean. But, you know, that is... Your, I don't have the orders to do that. <laughs> yes, and possibly it's your great good fortune that Rama is going to do it. You are going to meet that at Rama's hands. So that's your good fortune. That is possibly your only good fortune that you can enjoy. Otherwise, I would have done this. And as you said, after this is that uh, famous popular episode. But in order to juice that episode nicely and enjoy it, possibly we will leave it for the next Ramkatha fortnight. Right. And I mean, this this very episode must have really shaken Ravana because I don't think he would have ever had this repeat once more. You know, it's like Deja, one more monkey coming and speaking like this in front of him. I mean, uh, when he takes the boon from Brahma, he says, no God should be able to kill me and no, uh, you know, Yaksha, Kinnara, this huge list. And we know that story. He asks for immortality, he doesn't get it. So he makes a big exhaustive list of people who can't kill him. And I think he, he misses out animals and man in that. Because he thinks after all what can they right. do. And a mere animal, a mere monkey comes, not once, this is the second one to come right into his court and speak such things with such, you know, such uh, courage and confidence in front of him. And I think that itself is a sign that, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful scene because there, there is a confrontation of two courages in front of us here. You know, one courage which comes from false pride and the other courage which comes from absolute self-confidence. You know, because here is Angada saying that, you know, before he walks into the court, he tells Rama, I don't mind dying in this mission because I have given up, given myself to you. And that is the confidence which is, with which he is speaking. And here is Ravana who is saying that nobody can kill me. And, 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 absolute uh, contrast here. And next fortnight we will realize that Angada's courage is the true courage because whatever Ravana is speaking or doing doesn't seem to make any dent on Angada. But as we shall see, every word that Angada speaks, every breath that Angada takes seems to be demoralizing uh, Ravana and seems to be affecting his psyche so deeply. So, definitely, one this uh, Angada's courage is... N times more powerful, more better and more profound than the wrong courage that comes from pride that Ravana is exhibiting. But we shall leave that for the next fortnight. Uh, Next fortnight meaning uh, from two weeks after this because the next two weeks are going to be 
back to our navvida bhakti marga we will i think we had discussed up to uh, vishnu smaranam so right. pada sevanam we will be taking up next week so after that we will continue with the ramkatha where we left off we offer this with gratitude at the lotus feet of our beloved bhagwan thanking him profusely for this opportunity to think of him not only in this avatar but in all the avatars that he has taken up on the face of this earth we offer our salutations to hanuman and pray that our heart also dwells on our sai rama just like his heart with that we bring this satsang to a close with this bhajan enjoy this bhajan on the other side you will be greeted by brother chandu thank you jai sai ram janaki jeevan ram raghuvira janaki jeevan ram raghuvira janaki jeevan ram raghuvira janaki jeevan Jai 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 Jai
जानकी जीवन राम रघुवीर 